1: back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hello, I'm Jake. I'm a Newcastle fan. I write for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football, and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's.
3: I am Gita Willen. I am a Swansea City supporter and also a contributor to the Jackass podcast. Uh, If you want to hear our latest pod, then you can find us at the Jackcast, And if you want to follow me directly on uh, Twitter, it's at getosawitman.
0: Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. I write for EPL Index, among other sites. And you can catch me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits.
1: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, as always, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with Jake. Jake, we uh, actually spoke to you quite recently coming into the week thinking that the Aston Villa match was one that you were expecting to win. Obviously, that didn't pan out. What was your view of that match?
2: Um, well, we went with the same lineup as we went uh, for the first game with uh, Cissé and De Young up front, which I thought, you know, I thought Cissé probably shouldn't have played, and he came off relatively early due to injury, so that was pro- probably a good injury to get at the time. I thought, um, I thought we started okay. It was sort of the, the pitch was terrible i mean the, the amount of water on that pitch somebody could have drowned you know it was getting to the point where i thought that the match you know could have been abandoned but obviously that didn't happen and obviously in those sort of conditions it was always going to favor aston Villa, who sort of had more um long ball options and they had sort of players better suited to, to sort of that that sort of game and where we have a lot of passing passing players sort of like wijnaldum and sissoko and uh, De Jong, who liked to have the ball at their feet with lots of touches, it, w- it w- didn't really suit us, but, you know, we, we got the early goal through Colicini. Uh I mean, it was a good to see him uh, get a goal it was probably a bit, that was probably down to the conditions that, that he got that goal but it was, you know, well played by De Jong just to sort of skid the ball in, you know, we went 1-0 up and then you think, oh, from there, Villa their confidence is low, you go 1-0 up you expect to go on, get two, one or two more and, you know, make it comfortable, but that that didn't happen I mean, after half-time we didn't play as well. a sort of complacency may have came into it where we thought that we had the game won already. And uh, we had, I mean, probably the turning point of the game was CMD Young's uh, headed chance at the back post where, you know, you'd expect him to score that nine times out of ten and he puts it wide and then two minutes later, Jordan Nowy scores a goal that he's never going to repeat in his life. And he, the moment he puts that in, you're just thinking, wow, this is not our day. <laughs> and, you know, they brought on Gisted, and, you know, he sort of he could have scored and you know we had a couple of late chances but you know it's probably a fair result on the day one all and you know the positives out of it is that we didn't lose which we easily could have done on another day uh, earlier in the season when we were a bit less consistent and our mentality wasn't as good and we were lacking in confidence but to take you know seven points out of the last three games is a massive positive um we climbed out the relegation zone and obviously results went against us over the weekend and that put us back sort of, you know, lingering just above Swansea. But, you know, more or less, I'd, I'd say that it was, an, it's an alright result. I mean, we're we're playing ball on the table, but anyone can beat anyone in this league and you get a point, you can't complain. If, if we take points out of most games um, for the rest of the season, we're going to be okay, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd say I wasn't di- overly disappointed or overly worried about drawing to Aston Villa. It was just sort of, it's just one of those things that, you know, you get in football. And I'd, I'd say the conditions played a part. I think if it wasn't as wet, I think we, we probably would have won that game. But, you know, it was...
1: Yeah, uh, obviously a lot of people uh, had been talking about how horrible the Newcastle defence had been. You had mentioned it as well, uh, specifically mentioning kind of Mbemba's struggles adapting early on. Now you've conceded just two in your last three. Do you think the defence has really turned a corner, or do you think this is just kind of a blip of positive form?
2: I don't know. I I think there's definitely been improvements. Uh, I think Coluccini improved his performances. I'd say he was more of a problem than Mbemba at the start of the season. He was sort of... like uh, always going out, uh, going out of defense into the midfield to try and get the ball uh, up the pitch and leaving gaps, and you know just exposed Mbemba, and you know he's sort of I think he's sort of learning that now he's now he's a bit older he can't do that he doesn't have that in his game and he needs to sort of stay back a bit more and we're a bit more set. We've had a settled back for as well. We've done a left back and we haven't had to make any changes. And then the sort of duo of Colback and Anita ahead of them do a lot of work as well that often goes unseen. Especially Anita, I think, has been. One of the standout players for us this season, so I think there's definitely, we've definitely improved in you know in our defense, but and I think Rob Elliot is a a uh, big part to play in that as well. I think he's a lot more vocal than Crawl. I think he's a he's a better leader. He comes for the ball a lot more, and I think he's, he's definitely been a, a real you know bright spot for us in, over the last month or so. So yeah, I'd say that's definitely you know we've definitely improved, but the big test is going to come. You know when we got f on Boxing Day. They've got a lot of attacking players. They will attack us, and we're, we're really going They could really expose our defense because you know our defense doesn't like playing against um, quick sort of mobile players. So, I mean that's that's gonna show a lot about where our defense is, and hopefully you know we can we can go in and uh, keep a clean sheet or just just concede the one and you know keep confidence high.
1: All right. Thanks. Kind of going from your disappointing draw, we can move on to Ghetto whose uh, who Swansea side played much better than their opponents today, but ended up still getting the draw against West Ham. What was your take on that match?
3: Uh, it's a second frustrating result uh, in a row, really, because it's it, for the second time in a row, we've played much, much better than we have for the last few months. Um, I mean, our record speaks for itself, really. We've had one win since August, and that is why we have entered the relegation zone. Um as for today's game, the the general consensus is that it was uh, another positive performance, um, plenty to take from the game, but um, we could, we just didn't have that cutting edge, which um, would have enabled us to break down West Ham. And that's really been our main problem throughout the season. It's just finding that end product. Um, it doesn't help that Gomez is still really not looking comfortable, despite getting his first goal. Uh, in ages against Man City last week. We were all hoping that that was going to spark some kind of revival in his confidence. It didn't happen. Um, but it's it's there has definitely been a visible change in uh, our style of play and in uh, our performance level since Monk um, lost his job. Um, it was uh, against Man City that we first saw this. Uh, Alan Curtis, surprisingly for a caretaker, made a lot of changes. He really did. He's, he's made... The kind of changes that fans have been calling for for ages, Um, bringing in players who Monk, for some reason, had left out. The likes of Jack Cork, who's a a brilliant midfielder and hasn't been playing for us at all this season. Um, He's come in and he's just changed things massively in midfield. Leon Britton is back to his best, arguably. He is just brilliant in midfield, just dominating midfield at the moment, which obviously is very difficult for a player of his stature. Um, the defence looks uh, a lot less shaky and far more confident. Um, Angel Rangel coming in instead of Cal Norton has just made the world of difference. He may not have Norton's pace, but he has far more intelligence um, and, and just he gets us playing better football. Um, and generally, like I said, the, the team's been playing better, a lot more confidently, but. Um, Bottom line is from our last two games, we still only have one point despite being the better team in both games. Uh, It it does mean that we're in the bottom three going into Christmas. And uh, uh, since we've been promoted to the Premier League, I think two thirds of the teams who've been in the bottom three at Christmas have gone on to be relegated. Um, And of course, you know, everybody knows that the teams around us are all winning. It seems, you know, or at least picking up points at a regular basis, like uh, like Newcastle have started doing now. Um, which means that despite all these great performances, we really do need to start winning games, or we're going to get cut to drift over the Christmas period.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that there were a lot of changes. Uh, one of the things that we haven't seen very lately was Jefferson Montero, who started the year incredibly well. Do you see him getting back into the side anytime soon?
3: Uh, it was a shock that he didn't come off the bench today. Uh, he did come on again. Yeah, with Modu
1: coming on He did and taking yeah, well, no, AU off. There were some very strange substitutions in your were, match. There were very
3: strange substitutions. Um, the decision to take Rangel off for Kyle Norton was, I think, fitness-related. Rangel probably can't play 90 minutes anymore. Um, no, so even though he had a brilliant game, in my opinion, uh, he had to be taken off before um, he started making mistakes. And Cal Norton doesn't have the same impact as he does. Um, the decision to um, bring Shelby on was the right one, the decision to bring Cork off was the wrong one uh, Cork had really been playing his part in um, in our dominance of midfield and, he'd, and we lost a bit of our shape in midfield when he left I think um, Shelby wasn't I don't think he was 100% fit and uh, we probably lost an edge in midfield when he came on and then it was a toss of coin in my opinion, where whether uh, Montero and or Barrow came on, the, the the reason it it was a bit of a shock that Mon- the Barrow came on was that he's predominantly right sided and Montero is definitely very left sided, and West Ham had uh, uh, I think Tomkins playing a, a right back um, who is obviously a centre back, uh, and and he had a bit of an easy game really because we weren't challenging him very much to the left due to our. Um, lack of width, and I, I would have really liked to have seen Montero come on, inject a bit of pace down that wing, and, and give us something different, and may have uh, given West Ham something different to think about. Um, the decision to take Ayu off instead of Gomes was inexplicable. I, I don't really understand that. Uh, Gomes was completely. Um, just anonymous in the in the second half. The only time you knew he was on the pitch was when he got off, Got caught offside, which was very very. Yeah, he often. didn't
1: look turned on at all. There were a couple of crosses where you thought he'd attack them, where he was just kind of like idling, nowhere near the yeah. ball. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's it's unfortunately typical of most of his performances since August. Um it's it's a major source of frustration for Swansea fans knowing that a player can play so brilliantly and then for most of the most of the season he just doesn't turn up. Um it's it's your typical, you know, Adabayor style striker, really. Um uh, you you sorry uh Kev, I had to remind you of Adebayor. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, a little bit, huh? <laughs>
3: But uh, yeah, so it, the, the substitutions didn't help. They took a lot of the spark of the game and it just got to about 70 minutes and we worked out we're not, we're not going to score here. I'd love to see Montero back in because even when he's not his best, he's got that just acceleration that can cause so many problems for, for a team. Um, and uh, it was a strange decision not to see him today, definitely.
1: All right, and on to Dan, whose Arsenal side haven't played yet this week, but what has been going on over at Arsenal?
0: Uh, not a whole lot. You know, the normal stuff that happens in December, a uh, couple transfer links, an injury because we're Arsenal. Uh, not a new injury. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Danny Welbeck is now going to return around February, which I don't think he's going to return around February cause I'm pretty sure he's dead. I've started making funeral plans. But, um, yeah, then we've been to a couple people, because that's Arsenal. Apparently, according to... I don't know who the source was. I don't think it was very reliable. But uh, we had a deal in place to sign Atletico's Saul... Saul, I don't know his last name. Either on loan or permanent. But then that got scuppered by Thiago's broken leg. Um, according to Marzio, so very reliable. We've been, we sent a scout to a Serie B game to scout some striker who I don't remember his name. He's 6'4", he's 24 years old. He has an okay scoring record. I'm assuming nothing's going to come of that. Uh, we've been linked to Chicharito. I don't think that's actually been linked by anyone other than putting, like, one and one together. But um, <laughs> did,
1: you, did you see that stat uh, that Chicharito has scored during a Manchester United match five of the last seven weeks?
0: Has he really? Oh, that's yeah. phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's funny. But um, I'm not really – I don't rate Chicharito particularly highly, so, I mean – I don't think he fits with us. I wouldn't want him, and I don't think it's really feasible anyway because he's only on loan at Leverkusen, so then United would have to uh, terminate the loan and then find the price with Arsenal, who they don't really like. To well, they just sold us well back, so their fans are already angry at them for selling a striker, and then they'd have to find a price that would make sense to sell and terminate the loan, and it's just I, I really don't see that happening. Um... Yeah, outside of that, I mean, Alexis Sanchez returned to training. I don't know if he's going to play. I'm not sure anyone does. Although it looks like his whole two-week break for the injury has just been him working on his arms because he just looks really scary, and he looks like he's he's been very angry about uh, missing games. But, uh, yeah, not a whole lot's been going on.
1: All right, and uh, Joel Campbell has somewhat surprisingly kind of taken over very a spot that most people would have expected to see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain take. Do you think that that trend will continue?
0: Uh, absolutely. Ox has not been, not been good. He has not been good, and Joel Campbell has been surprisingly good. Uh, basically what you get from Campbell is you get security and possession, you don't get from Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, Ox is very much a multiple mold of where he likes to take people on, and while sometimes it works... He does he does lose the ball quite often, but he doesn't have the uh, final product Lexus has to justify it. So that's a problem. His defensive work has been very slack this year. He's been culpable for a couple goals. Whereas Joe Campbell, I mean, even when he was playing badly, he was defending well. That was like when he st- when he first came to the team, he wasn't playing particularly well. But well one good thing was like, well, I mean, at least he can slide tackle. But um, yeah, there's really no reason for Campbell to come out or for Ox to come in. So I'd be shocked anything changed.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Tottenham's match against Southampton. I mentioned to the guys before we started recording, we had Steve on midweek from five pub sport and he was mentioning uh, how Arsenal had had kind of a a nondescript win uh, the previous week. And I was saying, I would love to have kind of a nondescript win. And then we finally managed it uh, against Southampton Uh, Not the most impressive performance we've seen out of Tottenham this season. Uh, Got largely outplayed in the first half, but still ended up scoring two goals uh, at the end of the first half, with Kane scoring in the 40th and Della Ali scoring in the 43rd. Uh, And it it almost immediately killed off the match. Um, The Harry Kane goal, I feel bad for Virgil van Dijk, who's a player I do rate very highly, but he got absolutely mugged off by by Harry Kane, who had a lot of work to do to get into a goal-scoring position. And then once he did, he opened his body up very nicely with kind of a textbook finish to to put it away. Della Ali's was more a little bit of a lapse in judgment from um, the the Southampton back line with most of the focus going towards Kane with Della Ali sneaking in through the back uh, and and tapping in a very easy chance that arguably uh, should have been saved by Gazzaniga. But... It was not second half, not a whole lot of, of moments worth noting. I thought Sadio Mane would have a bigger match uh, up against Ben Davis because Danny Rose missed uh, through illness, but he did not, fortunately for us. So uh, all in all, there, there really weren't that many talking points in this match. Just very glad to, to see that we were able to win a nondescript match when other teams around us continued to drop points. Like Liverpool, Arsenal haven't played yet, obviously. Manchester United dropped again. Uh, So much so that the the teams ahead of us are the ones that we need to stay worried about. The teams that we need to start worrying about are the teams like Watford and Palace that are level with us on points now. Or I think Watford are 1.0, point off. sorry. But anyway, it's very incredible what those sides have been doing, but United and Liverpool continue to struggle, which is actually where I kind of want to take the topic of today's episode, which is... We just dealt with all of the Mourinho stuff. Now we're dealing with all of this Van Gaal stuff. We've had Jurgen Klopp rumors. Uh, not rumors, but a lot of people complaining about him today with one Liverpool fan getting retweeted a ton, saying they should look for Guardiola, um, which obviously is not ideal, uh, considering they just hired him over a month ago. And even Manuel Pellegrini looks like he may be out of a job coming up soon with them likely trying to bring in Guardiola for next season. So I guess, just overall, why do you think so many big-name managers are struggling in the Premier League this year?
3: Yeah, it's, um, it's a, bit of a strange one, isn't it? I mean, the, the whole the, All the top teams, are, I think it's more of a club thing than the managers. I think each one of them has individual flaws. Um, Louis Van Gaal, for example, has never really got going in Man United in my eyes. I don't think he's really suited to the club um, and um, so it's, it's not a surprise really for me that this collapse in form has happened I thought they were in a bit of a false position earlier on the season um, they've bought um, quite badly in the sense that they have addressed a few problem areas but haven't addressed others actually I, I, I'd actually put that say that that is the problem for so many of the managers it's just the transfers. I think we said we all said in the summer that most of the um the really good transfer activity had been done by the the lower end to, to mid-table clubs in the uh, Premier League. And the big clubs had been pretty quiet and where they had strengthened they'd failed to address some pretty obvious um deficiencies. With Man United, they didn't buy another defender, which um now looks like an absolutely awful decision considering you know the the defence that they've they're having to put out now. I know they've got injuries, but um, I, you know, they shouldn't have left themselves in the position where they were reliant, you know, players playing out the position. Um, they went into the season with two strikers. One of whom was Rooney, who, um, I, I think you would be daft if you if you thought Rooney was going to, you know, suddenly rediscover, um, his, his form of old. He's he's just been awful all season, and Martial. Really isn't an out-and-out striker, and he's only 19 years old, so it's a bit of an ask to put the pressure, so much pressure on him. The same goes for Depay. That's where I think much of Man United's problems lie this season. Is just the 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 way. The the only problem they really addressed last summer was buying Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger. The rest of the team, in my eyes, was just left so half-built, like like it ended last season. I think Man City have brought in one or two. Man City, Man City with Otamendi coming out, I'm a bit surprised that they haven't really kicked on. Um, Chelsea clearly didn't do enough. They've um, they, they brought in the odd uh, underwhelming uh, player, but they didn't refresh the squad as they should have. Liverpool squad um, certainly doesn't look up to scratch. It's a mishmash. It's untidy. Um, but it's unbalanced. And uh, Jurgen Klopp is still, I think, trying to work out where the pieces fit in the lineup. Um, so I, I think up and down. All of those big clubs are struggling because they haven't improved their squads enough more than anything else, and that's led to other frustrations. Um, whereas, obviously, you know, we're looking at clubs like Leicester. Leicester have um, bought quite modestly, but have bought well, and they've actually improved their team. And add to that a few good results, they, and they've built some momentum. And um, so, I say one of the big problems is just the recruitment in the summer.
0: Yeah, I'd say for—I mean, we discussed Mourinho, but Mourinho, volatile personality—he's just kind of an ass, and he warned everybody for a while, and his players stopped playing for him. Um, for Pellegrini, I'm not even sure that's as much his fault. It's more Pep's available, so Pep, and and he hasn't done great in the Champions League, but I, I think that it's more down to there's just the best manager in the world available. City have have the resources to get it to get him, so they'll go get him. Um, as far as Van Al and uh Klopp, both of them I agree with Guto. It just they don't have very good squads, to be honest. Um United, like I mean, look at their squad. Like he said, they should have brought another center back, even when everyone's fit. They have Smalling's great, but after him they've not got another good center back. Uh they only came this season with one left back. Um they they just don't have they have Wayne Rooney, they're tried to rely on Wayne Rooney and he's again, like you said, terrible. Just awful. Uh, And then, I think to try and make up for the poor defense, Van Hollows adopted this system where he tries to kill games, and while he prevents the the opposition from getting shots, but they also don't get very many shots, so um, it's like they were very high in the league early because they were relying on very high conversion percentages, now those have started to drop, and they stopped going 1-0 up so early, and then just being able to kill the game off, so they've been struggling, and they've... And this road of form was coming for them with a combination of just lack of talent and be, like their finishing percentages were always going to drop off. Uh, Liverpool just aren't very good. Like You look at their squad, that's probably the sixth... If, actually, count, if you count Leicester as like a top-four team, it's probably the sixth, seventh-best squad in the league. It's just, they're not very good. Klopp came in a month ago. You think he's able to implement his, uh, to quote Louis van Gaal, philosophy, uh, that quickly he just can't. I mean, and he's got he'd have to overachieve after coming in in a month. It's just like this is kind of expected. This is just how it goes. You got to give him time. You can't expect the man to make miracles. I know everyone loves him. He's a he's a fantastic manager, but that's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I definitely see where you're, you're coming from there. I I do think that part of it uh, comes down to just the overall upheaval. Of the league this year, with kind of some of the big name managers because they're in the higher profile jobs getting a lot of the flack for it. Uh, I was telling the guys before we did this, I was kind of looking into some stats. So last year's top five, Chelsea City, United, West Ham, Southampton had a total of 16 matches lost. And this year, that same group has 27 matches lost. And then obviously at the other end, Leicester had 11 losses last season and won this season. Uh, so I think we're, we're just seeing, as we mentioned uh, many weeks, just the the heightened parity in the league, which is something we hear all the time in American sports, maybe less uh, prevalent abroad. But uh, I think that a lot of these managers are facing tougher opponents and then are kind of catching flack for, well, why didn't you beat them in matches that are expected to be won, which kind of relies on an antiquated notion of which teams are still good and which teams aren't. Uh, and I think that's probably playing a significant factor. Louis van I'm not sure, is one of those situations because it's how they've been playing for the last year, and now the goals have just dried up. I mentioned before in the season that relying on a 19-year-old to get you into the top four isn't going to work. Same situation with Depay and Martial. I'm, I'm glad that they kind of set up more for the future now by bringing in young players like that. But expecting them to be the ones that carry you isn't enough. You need Rooney to step up. They finally got Phil Jones back after he's been gone for a while. They thought Luke Shaw was going to step up. And then he's hurt out for the year. They don't know who their right back is because it's supposed to be Darmian. But half the time it's Ashley Young who can't actually defend. Uh, they can't put any shots on target. It's it's really awful. Um, and, and so I think that that one... More than the Mourinho one, definitely more than the Monk one, is on Van Gaal more than it is on the others, because he keeps insisting upon his style of play, uh, this kind of philosophy that he's built there, which, by the way, isn't, hasn't been his philosophy throughout his entire career. He tends to really adapt well to fit different player formations and, and uh, uh, squads, but he doesn't seem to be doing that at the moment, so I guess only time will really tell if he can right the ship. Um, but hopefully uh, <laughs> we get to continue to see all these incredible results. Because regardless of whether or not it's because the league is better or worse, it definitely is one of the most exciting years we've seen in the Premier League in quite some time.
3: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4 e models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
2: Well, I, I don't really know why they've uh, why big managers have been struggling. I mean, I, mean, I think Van Howe is sort of, he was only like a short-term fix for Man United. So maybe like, I think the problem there isn't so much to do with him. Is sort of that the club has sort of just got worse. So then their, their expectations are still like sky high, but they're, they're worse as a club. So, you know, there's sort of like a, like a disparate, like it's not, there needs to be like, the fans need to sort of like re reevaluate what they expect from from the club. And, you know, I, I don't think they're doing that badly. I think the last few games have been disappointing, but you're always going to have those sort of runs as as a team, and I think they're sort of on a on a level with sort of Liverpool and uh, Tottenham now. I don't really see them on the sort of Arsenal and uh, City's level, so yeah, I, I don't think he's really struggled so much, but I'd say Klopp is sort of just is struggling because sort of he's getting used to the league and Liverpool. There's a lot of bad players in that squad, and you know he's sort of he's got a massive task ahead of him. and They're not ready for Champions League football. Um, yeah, I, and and I'd say as well, like the the mid-table clubs have got a lot better. So that's that's another reason why, why big managers are struggling. But if it, I I wouldn't say a, it's difficult to say they're struggling though. I I don't know. I think it's just I think it, this is going to become the norm. So you just sort of with getting used to it at the moment.
1: Mm, so you think it's a little more perception than reality?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't think they're yeah, yeah definitely. I I just don't think that they're struggling so much. I just think I think the clubs themselves. Need to reevaluate where they should be. I because I don't think Manchester United or Liverpool are sort of in that top bracket anymore. So yeah, I, I don't think they're struggling to be honest.
1: Mm. So yeah, we've all mentioned Van Gaal now. So then the big elephant in the room that none of us have addressed except a little bit on the Thursday show is is Mourinho possibly the solution for them?
3: Absolutely. Um, I th- I thought he was a shoe in. When Ferguson left, if I'm honest, because I don't know if you remember, but earlier on um, in the season, when well, in Ferguson's last season, um, they went out of the Champions League to Real Madrid, and Mourinho came up with this gushing praise for Ferguson and for the club, and saying what a wonderful club it was. And and I thought I remember watching that with a couple of Man United fans in the pub, and just say, he's he's putting in his CV there. I mean, you know, he, he looked as if he was. Desperate for it, and I said at the time that if they had gone for him, I think he probably would have chosen them above Chelsea. I think he really looked at Man United and thought that was a club for him, um, and, and I think he would, you know, put put a bit of um, stability in there. Whatever you say about Mourinho, he is a winner. I mean, he has a shelf life at any club um, that his record shows you that. But he is a winner, and he does sort things out. Um, and love him or hate him, you know, he he, get, he gets jobs done. Uh, what happened at Chelsea is quite clearly um, just an implosion. Um, several terrible mistakes, uh, a loss of confidence, refusal to take uh, the blame for any any ongoing you know problems at the club. It, it all just came together for Mourinho and um, his uh, his time ran out. But I think if you gave him the chance to go to Man United, I think he'd take it with both hands. I think fans would be split over it because they have this opinion of Mourinho and they have this opinion of their own club, and they don't really see Mourinho as the kind of person they should be taking over uh, at Old Trafford. But, you know, a lot of his traits actually he shared with Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson could be quite bullish. Alex Ferguson could be, um, you know, quite arrogant and, uh, um, you know, quite quite, quite an, a difficult man to work with when he wanted to. But again, it was he had that winning mentality, and players did. You know, he, he managed to get the best out of players. Um, and I think I think for Mourinho at, at this moment in time could actually be the short fix, that, uh, the quick fix, sorry, that Man United could be looking for, just to get them playing maybe not an aesthetically pleasing style of football again, but just. Get them in a shape which makes them capable of winning trophies again.
0: I mean, the Norwich fans certainly seem to think that he was the right man to take over. Considering at the end they're singing Jose Mourinho, he's taking your job. But um, <laughs> I mean, he seems the obvious choice, doesn't he? Uh, he like Guto said, he wants that United job so badly. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if his love for Chelsea is necessarily overstated. But he would absolutely take that United job. Um, he is a big admirer of Sir Alex. He, he wants it bad. I, I believe he wants that job bad. And I think he would absolutely take it. I think, yeah, I think he's, he's not going to play great football. So like, he, um, the fans may or may not be happy, but he's going to win. And I, it's more than they're doing now, isn't it? Considering, and considering the squad they have, uh, I, I think winning is all they can really ask for right now. They're not getting pepped. Because I I can't see him going anywhere other than city. That's what reports out of Germany would suggest. So the next best thing is Mourinho. So he's available. Then all the fans aren't happy with him. The, re- the results aren't great. It seems like the obvious choice for him. It seems like he'd work. So yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, I I think that Mourinho Mourinho is the, definitely the obvious choice for Manchester United. I mean, right now he he sort of he's he's still in England, obviously, as he was uh, seen at the Brighton game, I believe. And I think he is just eager to get back into Premier League football. I think I said this on, on Thursday when uh, everybody else was saying that they couldn't see him back in the Premier League for a while. I, I think he's definitely coming back to the Premier League. He's got so much to prove and he doesn't want, he's, he's so arrogant and, you know, he's sort of so 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 proud of himself, proud of his career and things. He won't want to leave England uh, as, like, being sacked as uh, the boss of the Champions in 16th. Like, that. that's not going to happen. And I think he's going to be like the cat who got the cream when the Manchester United job comes up in the next few weeks. And he's going to jump at that chance. I mean, it's, it's perfect for him and it's perfect for the club. But for the fans, I, do, I don't think they, they will like it as much. I think, you know, he won't play good football. I, I mean, we know that. And, you know, that's part of the problem with Van Gaal that he just hasn't been playing good football. So I think that's going to be a problem. And I think the squad there needs a lot of work to it to sort of fit a Mourinho, Mourinho side. But, I mean, they've got money to spend, as they've shown, and they have to give that. If he did go in, they'd have to give him, like, full responsibility for the money, and they couldn't, like, go out and buy players from, from like, behind the manager's back like they have been uh, recently. But, um, yeah, I think that would be a really good fit. I think Manchester United need a manager who's a winner, like a short-term fix. They don't need to look for the long-term. I know they're traditionally, you know, a long-term thinking club, but, you know, they, the, the Van Gaal thing just hasn't really worked. And I think Mourinho, he will go in, he will have two two or three really good seasons with them, get them back to win trophies, get them back in the top tier of, uh, you know, European clubs. And then, you know, then you can start looking beyond that and you'll be, uh a, you'd be more attractive to the sort of like the Guardiolas, the Simeones, who could possibly take it long term. Or even in three years' time, you know, you might have Gary Neville, or like, gigs, go away, get experience and come back into it and maybe be able to take that on. Because I don't think either... You know, they want gigs as their next manager, but he's not ready for that yet. I mean, you look, look how Neville has started at Valencia. You know, there's a lot of, you need to learn a lot to be a manager. You can't go into Manchester United, do that with no experience. So, yeah, I think Mourinho would be perfect for them. Just two or three years, get them back in the top tier of clubs and then then, then leave, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very interesting thing. First of all, uh, <laughs> I'd feel really bad for Juan Mata if Mourinho did take that job, having been shipped to United by Mourinho. Um, I think that would be quite. An awkward uh, meeting at Old Trafford, but I I agree that it's probably the the safest move they can make. I did see a a big Tottenham (laughs) account saying, uh, typical Tottenham, (laughs) Mourinho takes the United job, they improve, Chelsea under Hiddink improve, Tottenham fall out of the top four, which uh, (laughs) would seem like a very typical thing that would happen to us, but seems fairly uh, plausible. I'm really not that confident in hitting, taking the Chelsea job, having just seen what he's done for the Netherlands, which was uh, managed to get them all the way from third in the world to not qualifying for the Euros. And I, as many other people have mentioned, realize the actual issues with the Dutch national team, but he certainly did not help. All right, uh, we will go from there on to Player Watch, where we'll each have a few minutes to discuss a player who impressed us and a player who disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. We'll start off with Jake. All right, Gitto, Who impressed and who disappointed in your Swansea performance?
3: Uh, the big shining light, I think, for everyone is Leon Britton. Uh, he is a club hero, uh, a man who uh, we have long admired, and uh, we we were campaigning for ages for him to get a uh, an England cap. Uh, well, several England caps actually. We think we thought he should have been starting for England. That was England's loss. And um, today, even you know, even though he was written off. Um, by some and, and look to be um, you know, off on his way to the MLS in the summer. Um, he, he's come back over the last few games and he's looked better than ever. He just gives us the stability in midfield and reminds us actually uh, what we've been missing for much of this season, just that control, that order in midfield, which has been the basis of our success for the past 10 years. Um, he just always seems to be in the right place. He, he breaks up the opposition's play. Um, there was some slick passing from him uh, throughout today. K- keeps things moving and just keeps Swansea's game going. I mean, he's he's brilliant. Um, and, and he was he was fantastic today. Really was. Um, the uh, the down yeah. The, if well, there, there is one obvious player really who had a poor game, and that's Gomez. Um, I thought he had flashes today. He um, had a few good touches, took on a few players, but generally speaking, he he drifts out of games for far too long. He is constantly offside, and that's, again, just down to sloppiness and laziness, not making enough of an effort to get back onside. I don't think he looks uh, fit enough to play Premier League football. Um, and uh, it's we, we keep saying it it's a major problem because we don't have another obvious option up front, and we are saddled with him and we've just got to deal with him uh, and uh, it, again, his performance today emphasized why we really need to strike it badly in January.
1: So you mentioned somebody who's an older player that's a club hero. Or are we saying Britain for a Swansea manager?
3: I don't know if he's got managerial um, uh, capacity. I mean, he's not. He's not even that old. I don't. I don't even think he's got his eye on retirement just yet. I definitely want to keep him at the club once he's retired. He is somebody who we absolutely need to keep uh, at the club. Too. I. I. We've always thought of Leon as somebody who'd be good in academy. If I'm honest, teaching young players the basics, teaching them the philosophy. I know that's a word that everybody hates, but um, you know, just keeping what we've built over the last 10, 12 years going. Um, He definitely needs to stay around for that. Actually, if I was looking at a a possible manager uh, for the future, maybe not for right now, but Angel Rangel is a clear choice because he is a very intelligent footballer. Um, Again, a player who's been here for ages and was probably seen as past his best, probably is past his best, but um, has an amazing footballing brain at right back. Uh, A great footballer. Uh, an intelligent defender, and he is definitely somebody I I see as a future um, Swansea manager. Obviously, Ashley Williams is another one, but he's uh, far from done just yet.
1: Yeah, and uh, Dan, since you don't really have a match to talk about yet, uh, how do you think your match against our... uh, All right, Dan, now you obviously have not played yet, so hard to name a player that impressed and one that disappointed, but how do you see your match against Manchester City going?
0: Uh, I actually did a preview on this for EPL Index, so you guys can go check that out. But, um, short thing is, I'm thinking a draw. That's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling. I'm, (laughs) if I thought it was going to go better, I'd be interested to see how our midfield is going to do, but it's, instead of interesting to see how it's going to do, it's more worried to see how it's going to do. Aaron Ramsey's played on his own. Uh, midfield two of Aaron Ramsey and Matthew Flamini is very open, and, um, this is their first real test where they actually have to defend because the three games so far have been Aston Villa, which, you know, they're not great. Um Olympiakos, who just fell apart, and we were pla we were told to go forward, so them going forward was fine. And uh Sunderland at home, which again, they actually played quite well, but overall they're not great. So uh <sighs> It'll be very interesting. Mesut Ozil is Mesut Ozil, so he'll get his. He should be great. But that City squad, especially of Aguero coming back into it, is very scary. I'm hoping the fact that company's going to miss should play in our favor, and we should be able to score a goal or two. I'm feeling 1-1 one, one draw. That's what my gut says. But um, it'll be very, very interesting to see how our midfield holds up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we went typical... Uh, in As opposed to our new style tactics where you saw against Manchester United, we pressed them very, very high, and we did the same against Liverpool at home at the end of last season. We pressed them very, very high. With the midfield we have, I think we're going to go back to more 2013-14 where we sit back and that didn't go well against big teams in 2013-14. But, um, yeah, I don't think we have much of a choice considering who we have in midfield. So... It'll be interesting. I'm feeling a draw. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. I wouldn't be surprised if we won. It's really up in the air.
1: All right, and uh, now looping back to Jake, uh, who impressed and who disappointed in Newcastle's draw with Aston Villa? Um,
2: For the player who impressed, I'm really struggling. I didn't think anyone really stood out. I'd say Sissoko played well. I mean, he doesn't normally play well against uh, smaller seat, uh, sides. I'd say he definitely had an impact on the game, uh, in both halves of the pitch, and made some like really good contributions defensively, which is unusual for him. So I'd say he's probably the biggest standout that I could give. Uh, possibly Rob Elliott as well. He made some uh, crucial saves and you know organized the defense well. And I'll give a, give a little mention to Florian Tovan off the bench. I think he came on and it was probably his best performance in the Premier League in the Newcastle shirt. He was de- giving us um, width and he was putting in some good deliveries into the box. And he he looked like he can make things happen, so hopefully he gets some more game time over the festive period, because he is uh he was a big investment for us, and he just hasn't really done much since uh, joining the club. So hopefully that that does you know that does change, um, because I I really think he is a player that could be a a huge huge play uh, a huge you know part of our team going forward, and uh, it just hasn't happened for him. But it was nice to see him uh, putting some decent crosses. Um, disappointed. Um, I'm not gonna say Deong, I think he played well, and he just missed that one guilt edge charge, which is just unfortunate that it happens. I'd say Paul Dummett was the one he disappointed for me. I think he's just not a Premier League starting left back. He's a good player to have in the squad, and he get he does get a lot of criticism. And some say that is because he is, you know, a Geordie by birth, but I don't think that's what it is. I think you can't you can't praise a player just because he comes he's, he's from Newcastle and he's a Newcastle fan. You have to sort of Look at it in context, and I just don't think he's good enough to be a Premier League starting fullback. I think he's a good squad player, but just at times he just gets beaten easily. He's he's always got a mistake in him, and he just doesn't look. He's not good on the ball at all. So I think we need to look at that in January. Um, I we definitely need a better left back, and hopefully, you know, we get. I'd I'd really like you know the PSB, uh, PSV fullback Willem's, but he, he's mm-hmm. injury prone. And is, know, is he back
1: yet for for PSV?
2: I'm not quite sure. I know he's had uh, he's had a lot of problems. I I, I haven't. Um, I think, but you know, he's, he's he's a player that we've definitely looked at, and he's he's come to Saint James Park a few times to you know to support Weinaldum, and he's taken an interest in the club. So I think that's definitely one that could happen. But yeah, it, it's it's just his injury problems. But yeah, I'd, t- I'd say Domit definitely disappointed at the weekend.
1: Probably the most impressive player was uh, I don't know about most impressive, but most crucial was Hugo Lloris who did not have much to do throughout this match, but once again uh, showed up at the back end of the match with a a match-saving save. Well, technically not match-saving. We were already up two goals, but clean sheet saving, to say the very least. Uh, And it launched a a big uh, internet discussion over how good uh, Hugo Lloris was. That was very infuriating with people talking about how Joe Hart was infinitely better, which I think is far from the mark. Um, But uh, yeah, so was very impressed with Hugo Lloris. Uh, In terms of who was disappointing, hard to do in in a 2-0 win, but um, I'd probably say maybe LaMela. I didn't really see much of him. Uh, Obviously, the the 10 o'clock fixtures are harder to keep an eye on because you you have to watch a whole bunch of things Um, instead of me being able to fully focus, but I I don't particularly remember LaMela doing anything memorable. Uh, and in a match like this, that continues. Ericsson continues to kind of flounder out on the left. We would really like to see him more central uh, in future fixtures. All right, so now we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people how to reach you, now would be a good time.
2: Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I You can get me uh, my stuff on EPL Index and uh, Total Dutch Football. And you, if you want um, to see anything else, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends.
3: Yeah, uh, if you want to uh, listen to the latest uh, episode of the Jackcast, uh, that should be up uh, either tomorrow or more likely Tuesday. Uh, We will have plenty of discussions about uh, the new manager, whoever that is going to be, and of course about the latest uh, performances and the upcoming Christmas fixture list.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm still Dan. Thanks for having me on. If you want to get me on Twitter, uh, you can get me at the underscore jersey underscore fits, and that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. I am Kevin DeVries, your host. You can find me on Twitter at KevRoth. You can find my writings over at blog.playtaga.com and theeaglesbeak.com. Also host the FPL Roundtable, which goes up Thursday mornings and show up on the All In Sports Talk show, which is usually up on Tuesdays. Uh, If you're a frequent listener of this show, feel free to don't turn in on uh, Friday as we will not be recording on Thursday as it's Christmas Eve. Uh, So don't look for that show. We'll kind of update you on what shows will be coming out over this holiday period as we know them. That's on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. And if you have any questions, you can email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening.